Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. Today, I am honored and thrilled to be here at the ARC Encounter with my friend Ken Ham. Many of you know Ken is the founder and CEO of Answers in Genesis, and we're going to be talking all things related to Genesis and the culture today. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys, so I'm going to jump right into this because I don't often get to podcast from the ARC Encounter. Uh, Ken, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be on with you again. It's wonderful to it's have been millions of years. It's been, be millions, it's been millions of years. What is behind us out here? Uh, because uh, that is, this is not my usual backdrop. No, it's not. And that is the biggest freestanding timber frame structure in the world. Wow. So it's Noah's Ark, 3.3 million board feet of timber, one and a half times the length of a football field, half the width of a football field. It stands seven stories high at the midsection, 10 stories at the bow. You can walk through all three levels, and there's 130 exhibits answering all sorts of questions about the Bible. And um, it's uh, an, an incredible tourist attraction here in northern Kentucky, along yeah. with the Creation Museum, yeah. which is 45 minutes away. And you can actually see people walking behind us here because we're doing this while it's open. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's, it's an awe-inspiring thing. I remember the first time I came to the Ark Encounter, it, it, it takes your breath away, the, the, just the scope of it and how large it is. It's very awe-inspiring. And to think Noah answered God's call and built an ark like that. You know, it's interesting. Um, there are times when I've actually come across in one of the shuttle buses from the parking lot and the people in the, uh, in the shuttle bus. And as they come up uh, around the hill there and then they see the ark for the first time, I, I remember one little boy, you hear him sort of gasp and then he says, Wow, Noah could fit the animals on that. Yes, right. <laughs> because, you know, that's a big stumbling block for a yes. lot of people. How could Noah's Ark be true when he couldn't fit all the animals on board? That's right. And atheists have used that to actually try to create doubt in regard to God's word. That's why it's important to have answers. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do in the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum is give a lot of answers to the most asked questions today that are used to create that doubt that leads to unbelief. And you have people of all backgrounds, all religions, world, the major world religious atheists come through the Ark Encounter, and it really is life-changing for because you're not making excuses for the Word of God. You're saying, this is what the Word of God says, and it can stand on its own. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, Noah's Ark really is known all over the world yeah. uh, because there are flood legends all over the world. On the third deck, we have a flood legends exhibit. And so people have heard of Noah's Ark. Actually, when you visit other countries, we had someone who did this, actually. They bought one of those model Noah's Arks uh, <laughs> from every country he visited, and he actually donated them to us, and we're going to be building a new exhibit on Deck 3 right near the Flood Legends exhibit because it sort of pertains to that, that people all over the world have heard of that. And so it becomes a real tourist attraction, mm -hmm. and it gets people here, and then a lot of these people go to the Creation Museum, which is our more in-depth uh, teaching center. But it's interesting. There was one day I was down here, I'll never forget it because I saw two Sikhs pop off the shuttle bus. Mm. Then I saw a group of Orthodox Jews. Then there was a group of Muslims from Baghdad. We went and talked to them. And they, they actually are a group that were visiting America and they came as a group here. Wow. I met some Catholic nuns. I saw some uh, priests uh, from um, oh, different countries, apparently, as told to them. And then there's Amish 
and Mennonites. Yeah. There's even Baptists. Oh, no. They well. even come here. And <laughs> even the Southern Baptists? And, oh, yeah. They oh, do. my. And Presbyterians. That, the point is, as you said, it's people from all sorts yeah. of backgrounds. 30%, yeah. some of our surveys indicate, are non-Christian. Mm -hmm. And we've actually had people saved right there in that ark. Wow, I believe it. One of the most powerful exhibits, I think, at the ark talks about the authority of Scripture and why we can trust the Bible. Because really, the authority of Scripture, just like Satan in the Garden of Eden, did God really say, uh, trying to discredit God. And you have gone out of your way here at Answers in Genesis to say, no, we can trust the Bible. And uh, it seems to me that this is answering questions because you're taking them back to antiquity and saying, hey, the Bible is reliable. What kind of feedback are you getting from people who see that exhibit? Well... People really come with a lot of questions, and today there's a lot of shallow teaching in churches, yeah. and I find even most Christians don't really know what they believe, yeah. and they certainly can't defend the Christian faith. They don't know how to respond uh, to critics. Many are intimidated. Many don't even want to witness because they feel inadequate mm -hmm. because they don't have those answers. Mm -hmm. And I've had many people say to us as, as they come here to the Ark and the Creation Museum, this emboldens us yeah. because... Uh, we, we've got these answers and it, it really fires us up. And I've had people tell me, I, I want to go out there and shine the light brighter than I've ever yes. tried before. And I'm, I'm just not going to be intimidated anymore. And because they see us boldly presenting this, they want to be bold mm -hmm. in presenting it too. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you and I have talked about a few times is the prevalence of deception in the culture right now. And that the only answer to a bold lie is bold truth. And that's what you're doing mm -hmm. here is boldly proclaiming. We're not ashamed of the gospel and we're boldly proclaiming the truth of the word of God. I'm curious to know as people come in, uh, because I've witnessed this just in the few times that I've been here, they leave excited I do, and they feel like, wow, you know, I've got, I've got a tool now in my tool belt and I'm more convinced than ever that I can share the gospel as we've been called to do. Not only that, I meet a lot of people who will say, I'm going back to bring my non-Christian yeah. family, my non-Christian friends. Uh, I have an uncle who rejects God's will. I'm going to get him to come back to the Ark and the Creation Museum. You know, I, I want to make sure our, our relatives, our close relatives mm -hmm. in our family who don't know the Lord, I want to get them here. Mm -hmm. I find that all the time. So, you know, they come here, get excited, realize what it means to them, the answers that are given, and then they say, we want to bring people back. Yeah. And they do. Yeah. They bring them back. Yeah, it's so powerful. It really, really is. I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, the importance of churches getting back to teaching the foundational truths that are found in Genesis 1 to 11. There are a lot of people listening to this. I mean, this podcast is going to be heard all around the world. A lot of people listening on what does it really matter, right? Millions of years, thousands of years, we're camping out on the wrong thing. The only thing that really matters is that we understand the message of the cross and the message of the gospel You've made a very powerful case, obviously, your entire life for why Genesis matters. Why is it so important that we study the, the whole counsel of God? Well, you mentioned something there that I've heard many, many times, and that is uh, people saying, look, the most important thing is the gospel. Yeah. We just need to tell people about Jesus and, and the message of the cross. You know, well, Genesis doesn't matter. It's, it's not that important. And I remember uh, being at a church where the pastor actually said to people, the pastor said, look, you're going to go out witnessing uh, this coming weekend. Now, when you're talking to people and if they bring up questions, particularly questions relating to science and, yep. and the Bible and evolution, they're just red herrings. Just ignore those. Just tell them about yep. Jesus. And don't deal with Genesis and those. It's too controversial. It's divisive. You just need to tell them about Jesus. And so I, I say, okay, 
So can you imagine going up to somebody and saying, you need to trust Jesus? Who is he? Well, he's the son of God. Well, how do you know that? Well, he died for your sin. Sin? What is that? What do you mean sin? Where did that come from? Well, well, he died for you. So why did he die anyway? What, what's death got to do with this? What, what, what is sin? What, what, what are you going to do? How do you explain that? Mm -hmm. You know, well, I can't talk about Genesis. So yeah. you know, you're a sinner. Just, just believe it. Mm -hmm. See, the point that we need to understand is why is Genesis at the beginning of God's word, God's written word? Mm -hmm. Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundational history. Now, wait for it. For the rest of the Bible, for all doctrine, for our Christian worldview, for everything. Yeah. See, God has revealed to us the elements of history we need to know to have the right information to build the right way of thinking about everything. You know, Genesis 1 to 11 really gives us the origin of all the basic entities of life and the universe. I mean, if you go through and start to list uh, it, the origin of the earth, the origin of water, the origin of light, the origin of uh, the, the day cycle, mm -hmm. the origin of animals, the origin of sea creatures, the origin of man, the origin of woman, the origin of marriage, the origin of sin, the origin of death, the origin of clothing. I mean, it's origin all of all the basic entities of life in the universe and the meaning of anything is dependent on its origin. Mm -hmm. You've got to understand its origin. I mean, if somebody said to you, why do you believe in marriage? Uh, marriage? Uh, and you're not allowed to use Genesis. Yeah. How do you explain yeah. that? Yeah, you got nothing then. Because, you know, when Jesus, as the God-man, was asked about marriage in Matthew 19, he said, haven't you read? He referred back to Genesis. The authority of the word of God. He who made the beginning made the male and female, which is Genesis 1.27, which means that's attesting to the truth of Genesis 1.27 and the fact there's only two genders. Mm -hmm. By the way, it deals with gender. Yes. <laughs> God made two genders, male right. and female, of human beings. And then he said, and for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and there'll be one flesh, which is the text of Genesis 2.24, mm -hmm. which is where God created marriage, mm -hmm. right? God created marriage, not the president of the United States, not the Supreme Court justices. You know, judges didn't create marriage. God did. Yeah. And he only created one marriage, and that's a man and a woman. The point is Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for everything. And if, if you're raising up generations today, you know, there are many churches, and I've seen this, where the pastors won't touch Genesis 1 to 11, or they say yeah. you need to reinterpret it to fit in evolution millions of years yeah. and so on. If you don't give that foundation, is it any wonder the younger generation can be easily impacted by the LGBTQ movement? Because if they don't have the foundation for marriage, then who decides what marriage mm -hmm. should or should not be? Mm -hmm. If they don't have the foundation of understanding the Bible is the absolute authority of the Word of God. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the thing that we have to understand is that we need as Christians to put on what I call biblical glasses. Mm -hmm. And that is that the Bible is not just a book you add to your thinking. It's not just a book that contains the Word of God. It is the Word of yes. God. And Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation so that you can have the right way of thinking about everything. Mm -hmm. I found over the years as a, a lot of Christians that will ask questions like, I don't know how to deal with dinosaurs. How do you fit dinosaurs with the Bible? But see, it's the wrong way of thinking. Mm -hmm. You've got to start with the history God has revealed to us about when he made the land animals and what happened to them and the account of the flood and the ark and so on. Once you have that, then you can look at dinosaur bones that we find today and you've already got the history God has revealed to us to understand what we have in the present because you know what happened in the past. Yeah, your foundation right? is secure then. Exactly. Yeah. And then... 
What about the death and suffering issue? And that relates to the topic you brought up about millions of years. Mm -hmm. Because, see, many people don't realise the idea of millions of years came out of atheism, naturalism of the 1800s, where people who rejected God and said they don't believe in God's word, they want to explain everything by natural processes. Naturalism is atheism. Mm -hmm. And so they proposed that the fossil layers were laid down millions of years before man. Now in the fossil layers, there's dead things, billions of dead things. Not only that, there are many of those dead things that show diseases like cancer, tumors, abscesses, arthritis. Mm -hmm. Now, if you as a Christian take the millions of years and add it into the Bible, first of all, you're really taking man's belief about the past based on naturalism, so it's an atheistic worldview. Yes. And then you're trying to fit that into the Bible, mm -hmm. which is a problem. You're taking something out here to then go to the Bible. Mm -hmm. We need to do the other way around as Christians. Right. We should be starting from the Bible to judge what people are saying out here. But then when you fit that in and try to, they fit it in before man. But wait a minute, after God created man and after he created everything, he said everything he made was very good. Mm -hmm. There was no death, no suffering, no disease. If you believe in millions of years, God calls cancer very good. And the, one of the big issues today for, for a lot of people, and, and you know, I've had many people, I say, Christians struggle with this, but you know, atheists will say this all the time. Do you Christians believe in a loving God? Look at all the death, disease, suffering. Look at all these horrible things happening. Look at, look at these people who are maimed or you know, uh, that have all these deformities. Or what, Where's your loving God? Mm -hmm. You see, if you believe in millions of years, then God's responsible for all that. Yeah. And that's gone on for millions of years. When you look at the world today, you're not looking at the world as God made it. You're looking at a present world that suffered world. from events yes. that God told us about in Scripture. The fall of man, the entrance of sin, the judgment of death, thorns as a result of sin. And by the way, there are thorns in the fossil records supposedly millions of years before man. The Bible says they came after the curse. Mm -hmm. And when you... Understand Romans 8.22, the whole of creation groaned because of Adam's sin and our sin in Adam. We're looking at a fallen world. We're looking at a world that's a result of our rebellion in Adam, which is not God's fault. It's our fault. See, if you think about it like this, we don't even deserve to exist, mm. right? We rebelled against God in Adam. But God withdrew some of that sustaining power so that we run down and die because he says death was the penalty for sin. And, and people look at that and, and, and look at, on death as, as, as ugly. It, it, it is awful. The Bible calls it an enemy, mm -hmm. right? It's an intrusion. It hasn't always been here. Mm -hmm. It's an intrusion, an enemy because of our sin. And when you look at it from the perspective of we don't deserve anything, we rebelled against God. Mm. But he placed upon us the curse of death so that our bodies will die. But we're made in the image of God. So we have a soul that lives forever. We'd be eternally separated from God forever. But then he stepped into history in the person of his son, mm. who is Jesus Christ, the God-man, to be one of the human family, become uh, the perfect, sinless mm. God-man so that he could die on a cross because death was a penalty for sin, shed his blood, the life of the flesh is in the blood, right? Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. There has to be the giving of life to pay the penalty for sin. Uh, so a man puts sin and death in the world, a man would have to pay the penalty for sin and, and death, but it can't be a sinner. Mm -hmm. But we're all sinners. Yes. Because we're all descendants of Adam. 
So God stepped into history in the person of his son to be the sinless God-man, to die on a cross. Death was a penalty for sin. To be raised from the dead, conquer death, which means he, he has ultimate power. To conquer death, you have ultimate power. Be raised from the dead and offers a free gift of salvation. We, we can't work for it. Mm. Nothing we can do. But to those who will receive it, and by grace we save through faith, it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And be saved for eternity so that we can live forever with the Lord. Wow. Hey, you know what? You can't explain all that if you don't believe Genesis 1 to That's right. Well, wow. We just went to church. <laughs> we went to church. I Every time I hear you speak, it just reminds me again to be so, we need to be bold in this generation mm-hmm. because the lies are so prevalent, because there's so much suffering in the world uh, right now. And it seems to me that as uh, as the as the world gets more chaotic, as the government has decided, and we've decided as a people to rebel even more against God, chaos and violence are increasing on the earth, and we're seeing this all over the all over the world. Well, you know, Heidi, something you said earlier. Remember, we started by talking about the authority of Scripture. Yeah, yeah. And talking about being bold, and you know, I'm sensing that's coming up more and more. People yes. realize we've got to start being bold. We yes. just can't sit back and do nothing. See, there's, there's a scripture that um, my, my parents. You know, taught me, and it's something my father said many times. You know what it says about Christ? He's that was astonished at his teaching because he spoke as one having authority, yes. not as the scribes. Yeah. And you look at that and say, "Well, why can't I speak with that authority?" You can, you can. if you believe. Say, if you believe his yes, word, you can. Yes. And the trouble is, so many don't really know what to believe because yeah. a lot of pastors haven't taught mm-hmm. them, and a lot of them have questioned it and compromised it. And when you can boldly stand on God's word and teach people, and they realize I can take God's word as written like this, I can be bold. Yes, yes. And they are the Daniels of this generation, mm-hmm. the Debras of this generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love to tell men and women, you were born for this time in human history. God's not up in heaven going, man, I just got the wrong people. I must have messed something up. This is our time to be bold, to share the gospel, well, you know, and it's at, never been more important. At the homeschool experience we have here at the yeah, Ark Encounter, yeah. one of our speakers, Martin Lyles from yes. Australia, and he spoke on Daniel. Yes, and, powerful. And, I heard and it. And we need more Daniels. Yes. We need yeah. more people yeah. uh, like that, like Daniel. Or I even think of someone like Elijah who took on the prophets of Baal. Yes. And look what he did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. He used a know? little sarcasm, too. You're not familiar oh, with that he, at all, are you? Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think he. I think he must have been Australian. <laughs> I think you, oh, I think you might be right. Come on, come on. Maybe your gods are out having having a picnic somewhere. That's right. Maybe, I don't you know, know what's going you know, on. Cut, cut yeah. your bodies a bit more. Come on. <laughs> come on. I'm watching. Yeah, it was, it's incredible. In the last uh, few minutes that we have here, I want to just uh, touch on this. If someone is going to a church right now, and I get this question quite a bit at the podcast, if someone is attending a church where they're not teaching the whole counsel of God, mm. uh, what what do you what do you suggest? Because I know that there are people who are listening and they're thinking, man, I wasn't raised like that. I'm not going to a church like that. I just heard from a, a podcast listener the other day who grew up under the teaching of Andy Stanley, for goodness sake, and and wrote back and said, I just feel like my whole basis for my faith is just crumbling in front of me because all of a sudden she started reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you tell people when they when they realize, man, I got to go to a church that's actually teaching the whole counsel of God? Yeah, you know, and Andy Stanley doesn't really want to teach the Bible. No, he doesn't. Um, he he wants to disconnect everything from. Yeah, the he Bible. wants to unhitch. Why right? he said the unhitch the Old Testament from the New yeah, Testament. Yeah. Now he's teaching that evolution doesn't matter. Theistic evolution. Okay, can I be honest with you? And that is, well, of course I want to be. Yeah, honest well, with me. You. What's the point of answering <laughs> if I'm not being honest with you? Um, <laughs> 
Some of those questions are really hard to answer mm -hmm. in one sense, and mm -hmm. that is we're not there, we don't know their circumstances in the church, and then what other churches are there in the area yeah, and yeah. what's going on, and, and sometimes you don't hear all the information. And yeah. But let me just give you some general things I advise people because I've been asked that question yeah, many times over the years. First of all, one of the things I say to them is this, look, some people have asked it this way, should I stay in this church and try to impact people ah, for the truth? Yes, that's the question. And should I try to get answers and Genesis material into the Sunday school or church programs or invite people to my home and try to give them this teaching they're not getting in the church? Should I do that or should I leave? Mm -hmm. And one thing I've said to them is, well, do you have children there? Because I think that that should uh, be a big factor in your answer, because if your children are going there, what are they getting? Yeah, they're, that, they're, and, that's their foundation. And you have a priority to mm -hmm. your children to raise up godly offspring. And so I think you need to be looking at that. Now, if, if you don't have children there, whatever, and you think you can be missionaries there, and you think that you can have an impact there, and you want to be missionaries in that church, then maybe, maybe that's a good thing, mm -hmm. because I know of people who've been able to like guerrilla warfare. Yes, you know, right, right. Invite them to their home, give them uh -huh. coffee and donuts yeah, and sit yeah. them down. <laughs> then they have to watch a Ken Ham or a Heidi St. John video. They haven't got any other option. You know what I mean? And here's tonight's movie. And, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, and they can impact them. And I've known yeah. of, of people who have been able to do that. Um, but even those people say it's really frustrating after a while. And it's exhausting. There, there's a time when they say we just need, we need feeding ourselves yes. too. We can't, we can't just continue to give uh, like this, so I think it depends on they the circumstances. Need to hear from the Lord. Yeah, and it, it depends on the circumstances. And yeah. but you know, the most asked question—I think it's one of the probably the most asked question—I get asked at the Ark, the museum, through email, phone calls—and that is, do you know a church in our area that yeah. stands on God's word like you do? Because we can't find one. Sad. Now they're out there, but they they're, are. But they're a minority. Yes. And so that makes it even harder to answer mm -hmm. that sort of question. Mm -hmm. Where are they going to go? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people tell me. We brought our family here to the Ark Encounter Answers in Genesis because they'll get more Bible teaching here than we do in our church. Yeah. They've actually said that to me a yeah. number of times. Yeah. So I think it depends on the circumstances. But I, I really think you've got to look at your children mm -hmm. because you need to make sure your children are raised up with the right foundation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm very much an advocate of homeschooling and Christian schooling and not throwing your kids out there. On the, the front, to the front lines of the culture war. When they need to be filled with biblical yes. truth. You can't be salt till you, you don't have, have it. Have yeah. it. Mm -hmm. You need to have salt and you need to be equipped with answers, ready for the attacks mm -hmm. and so on. And similarly in a church, you know, um, a, a lot of these churches, the, the, the teachers, the youth pastors and so on aren't teaching God's word as they should. A lot yeah. of them are compromising and so on. Yeah. If your kids are having that sort of impact, you really need to be looking at those. That's right. how I would answer that. I think that's a great way to look at it because really it's our youth that are under attack in the culture right now. We see this absolutely in our school system. We're watching this with the rise of the transgender movement and so many uh, individuals that are struggling right now to raise their children up uh, in a godly home with a godly foundation. Ken Ham, it has been a delight. We're out of time. This goes by so fast. Every time I have you on my show, I'm like, man, that went by fast. Well, that's because I'm getting older and time goes faster when you're <laughs> so older. I think that must be happening to both of us. Uh, would you come back for a few minutes? We're going to do half sure. here really quick. And uh, you guys are going to love this. If you are subscribed to the Heidi St. John podcast, stick around. We got a little treat for you. For everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, as you know, we are going through Genesis 1 to 11 at the Faith That Speaks community. And uh, we are thrilled to be really uh, getting an opportunity over there to talk to Ken. We'll be taking questions. 
or actually fielding questions and talking to Ken over at the Faith That Speaks community. You guys, thank you so much. If you want to hear that interview, head on over over to faiththatspeaks.com. I hope you guys will check out the Ministry of Answers in Genesis. If you got any questions, shoot them to me at Heidi St. John forward slash mailbox Monday. Thanks for listening. I'll see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.